With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Dub Nation? It is Brady Klopfer here with the Golden State of Mind podcast. Deviating from the script a tiny bit here to do a recap of Game 3 and a preview of Game 4. I know I'm a day late on recapping the game here, but it felt like a, a better one to let marinate for a little bit and do a recap with a preview of the next game rather than just recap it because frankly I don't think anybody wanted to hear too much about game three didn't want to dwell on it too much and really game four is now set up to be the most important game of the series the most important game for the Golden State Warriors since 2019 Uh, and so that I think is as much where we need to put our attention as on what happened in Game 3. But let's break down Game 3 real quick. The Dubs fell behind quick, and really they never recovered, even though in on the scoreboard they did recover and, and were able to take the lead eventually, even in the second half. But uh, it really felt kind of just mentally like they never quite recovered. This felt like Boston's game all the way through. The Celtics came out firing Jalen Brown in, in particular, um, firing on all cylinders, as was that motorcycle that just drove by that you probably heard in the audio here. Apologies for that. Uh, And and the Celtics just jumped all over the Warriors. Um, Golden State's offense was struggling. Klay Thompson was kind of the only one who had much going in the first quarter. They were only down by, or they were down by 11 points after the end of the first quarter, but it felt like only 11 points. You know, it felt like they were lucky to have it be that close. It, It felt like they had a little bit of momentum by only being down 11 because they had really just been thoroughly outplayed. Second quarter, they played nearly even, only lost that quarter by a point, went into halftime down 12, and there was some optimism to be had at halftime that the Warriors were down 12 because in game one, they won the third quarter by 14 points, and in game two, they won the third quarter by 21 points. Uh, so, you know, if the trend had continued, they would have been leading going into the fourth quarter despite the 12-point halftime deficit. And for a while, it looked like that was going to be the case. Steph Curry had a brilliant third quarter. He started erupting. There was one unbelievable possession that had the Warriors won. This would have, you know, been the type of possession that you look back on and go, that's where the game shifted. That's where the series shifted. Uh, the Warriors had pulled to... I think within nine points at, and we're starting to find a little bit of momentum and, and Steph Curry pushed the ball up in transition, um, pulled up for a very deep three um, and Al Horford contested it a little bit too late and a little bit too intensely and ended up getting under Curry's landing zone. So Steph made the three. Not only did they call Horford for a foul, but after reviewing it determined it was a flagrant foul which on an and one means you still get that one free throw, but you also get the ball afterwards. So Curry completes the four-point play, and on the inbounds they find Otto Porter Jr. for an incredibly high-arcing rainbow three-pointer that went in for a seven-point possession, and and all of a sudden 
the Warriors were down by two and, and gaining all the momentum. And, and they took the lead shortly after that. Um, but Boston responded in, in a big way. Curry got called for his fourth foul and was playing pretty tentatively on defense. And Marcus Smart was able to take advantage of that. Draymond Green got into foul trouble and had to go sit on the bench. And ultimately, you know, the secondary firepower just wasn't there. It was a it was a game that just really exposed the lack of depth for the Warriors. You know, all year long we've kind of talked about how deep the team is and how good that is, but in this particular game, and really in the last in the series and in the last few games, we're kind of seeing the limitations of the bench, um, especially when Jordan Poole isn't having one of his star games, and and he didn't in this one. He had he had ten points, three assists, but three turnovers, um, and then. As for the rest of the scoring from the bench, Porter had six points, and Gary Payton the second had two points, and that was it. Um, admittedly, those were the only three bench players that actually got notable minutes. It was really just garbage time for everyone else. Andre Iguodala and Nemanja Bjelica played a few possessions before garbage time, but really, for all intents and purposes, it was GP2, Pool, and Porter as the bench. Um, and they just weren't able to provide that spark, so it really fell on the shoulders of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins, all of whom had decent scoring games, kind of what you expect from them. Curry, a very efficient 31 points. Clay Thompson, an efficient 25 points. Wiggins, not very efficient, 18 points. Um, and it, it simply wasn't enough. And so it was great there for the beginning of the third quarter and, and was enough to give them the lead. But as, as they started to try to hold off a Boston rally, they, they just kind of ran out of firepower. And they won the, they won the third quarter by eight points, um, which left them, you know, close going into the fourth quarter. They were, they were within four points. And you could have made the case that they had the momentum, even though, again, it just kind of felt like it was Boston's game all the way through. And then Boston just shut the door in the fourth quarter. They absolutely buckled down. Marcus Smart, tremendous defense. Um, Jalen Brown, tremendous defense. Al Horford, just outstanding. Robert Williams III, just, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the planet, on the planet, and he showed it. And, and they held the Warriors to just 11 points in the fourth quarter and, and started to pull away and, and really put a lot of space between the two teams, and you could kind of sense the deflation a little bit. So now the Warriors find themselves in a little bit of a position. They're down two to one. This series is far from over, but they need to win game four. Um, They do not want to be down three one. We all know from the plethora of jokes that we have had to listen to for the last six years that it is not very common to overcome a three one deficit, especially in the NBA finals. Um, The Warriors can do it, yes, but Goodness gracious, that is not the situation they want to be in, which means game four, Friday, 6 p.m. in Boston, ABC, is pretty damn close to a must-win game. So what do the Warriors need to do to win that? First off, it starts with they need Draymond Green. Um, I thought Draymond Green's game two performance was one of the best performances all year by a Warriors player. Not only did he do good things on the court, but the energy he brought, the trash talking, the toughness, the leadership, I thought that that had the chance to, to sway the series. And 
he was really bad in game three. There was no way around that. It, it, the stats were bad. He had two points, four rebounds, three assists, one block, two turnovers, fouled out of the game, plus minus of minus 13. Um, but we know that what Draymond does goes way beyond the box score. And um, in this case, it, that box score was pretty accurate. It was, a, it was a bad game for him. It was one of the worst defensive games he's had this season offensively he was just kind of all over the place like he wasn't taking and missing shots like he was in game one he just wasn't really doing anything on offense there wasn't a lot of playmaking there wasn't a lot of aggression or um uh desperation that's not quite the word i'm looking for but you know what i mean you know you you kind of needed him to have that borderline desperation in the offense where he's trying to get things going and, and it wasn't there um, the toughness and trash talking it resulted in, you know, he clearly got under Boston's skin in game two, and in this game it felt more like they got under his skin. Um, I don't know if that was an adjustment on their part or just a worse job on his part or the fact that the Warriors were losing. Um, but, you know, his, his trash talking and physicality and flirting with technical fouls and ejections, it felt, it felt a little bit more like he was he was losing the mental battle against Boston whereas in game two it felt like he was dominating that battle um and so frankly they they need they need him you know he is when this team is at their best he is their second best player he is their leader he is their you know, motor, and and they need him to be that, you know, co-star to Steph Curry. Um, and then speaking of Curry, the other thing the Warriors really need is they need secondary scores because we've seen this in both of their losses, and even a little bit in Game Two where Curry will do great, Boston will tighten up their defense on him, and the Warriors don't have any good safety valves. Clay Thompson was great in this game, but they need a lot more from Jordan Poole. They need some cutting and aggression from Gary Payton II, from Otto Porter, from Iguodala if he's in the game, from Andrew Wiggins, who didn't have an efficient scoring game, but I thought he did a really good job being aggressive, driving, cutting, etc. Um, and they need Draymond Green to be able to be that you know, release valve that makes the offense flow, where when Curry is trapped 40 feet from the hoop, you get the ball to Draymond, you have a four on three, and not only is Draymond being aggressive and getting someone else a good shot, but that person is then making that shot. And both of those things have been missing a bit in this series, uh, especially in losses, but even a little bit in the game two win. I'm very curious to see what the team does on that front with Draymond and come on Looney. Um, Looney has been playing quite well. But those concerns of having two non-shooters on the floor have really been hurting the Warriors in this series in a way that they were not at all versus Dallas. Um, and they have a choice to make. You know, going against a team that plays two centers, are the Warriors willing to not play any center at all and just try to beat Boston through mismatches? through playing small and outrunning them? Or are they going to continue to put Looney, who again has been very good, on the floor to try to meet that matchup as best as possible and go from there? I don't know what the answer there is, because again, Looney's playing very well, but it's just such a struggle. If Draymond is not, is not being highly aggressive, it is such a struggle for the offense 
to find any rhythm when they have two non-shooters and and you got to think that replacing Looney with Poole or Otto Porter or even Gary Payton the second could potentially unlock some things on offense but of course at what cost on defense at what cost on the glass remains to be seen if they take Looney off can they run Al Horford or Robert Williams the third off the court or are they just going to get eaten up in the paint I don't know um but the Warriors have some adjustments to make, but more than that, I think we're going to see what they're made of in this game. You know, we've, we've talked a lot, everyone has talked a lot about the uh, veteran makeup of this team, the championship experience. Uh, this is their sixth NBA Finals in nine seasons. Um, uh, eight seasons, excuse me. And, you know... They've beat themselves, frankly, all respect to Boston. Boston has been the better team in this series, and they're a very, very good team. They are the champions of the East and now in the driver's seat in the NBA Finals for a reason. So, you know, please don't take this as me discrediting Boston. But the Warriors have beat themselves. And that's not to say they would be up 3-0 if they hadn't beat themselves. But, you know, they are they are sitting there right now thinking... We absolutely should have won game one. And we shot ourselves in the foot in game three. And that doesn't mean they would have won those games if they hadn't beat themselves. But it's not where you want to be. You never want to be the team that is beating you. Um, so it's been an issue with the Warriors a bit this year. And, you know, the last few years. And we're going to see if... If in on the brightest stage, if they're able to shake that off, um, they've played all year with a, with confidence that borders on arrogance, and it's resulted in a lot of games where they kind of play like they think they should win and they don't, and or not even that they play like they think they should win. They play like they know that they can win at a later date, right? Like we saw that in Memphis in, in game five, you go, you have a chance to close out, you have a chance to get extra rest, you're going up against a John Morantless Grizzlies team and you get absolutely pummeled, just inexcusably pummeled. And then they come back and they win game six and you could feel it the entire time, right? Through the game five blowout and through the game six win, it wasn't that they had a bad game. It wasn't that they purposely took the game off. It was that they knew they weren't going to lose the series. And they didn't really have anything pushing them to put forth their best foot until it started to get a little bit hairier and a little bit more time sensitive. Um, we have arrived very firmly at that point in the NBA Finals. It, we are there. It's gut check time. It's reality check time for the Warriors. Um, they've been playing like they know that they're still going to find a way to win this series, and there's a very good chance that they will. Obviously, I hope that they do. You hope that they do. We're about to find out. But we've reached the time where if you got it, you got to bring it, and you got to show it. Um, because they've only... They've only got one more game that they can afford to lose before their season is over. Um, and they have a maximum of four games left in this season. They're, they're at that time where we're either going to find out that, yep, they do. They've been arrogant for a reason, as frustrating as it is. Or 
they're going to have a really rude awakening. And it makes Friday's Game 4 one of the most compelling games, I think, in in this dynasty run. This is the 24th series since Steve Kerr took over as head coach of the Warriors. They're 21-2 and two in the previous 23 series. And I think this is... I think we're reaching one of the most in, intriguing games during during these six finals runs. Uh, I really can't wait. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I, I think we're going to get some really big performances from the core three players. I think Steph Curry has been locked in all series. Uh, he hurt his foot in this game, which was terrifying, but he did... He did say today that he will be playing in Game 4. Hopefully he's at 100%. Um, Clay Thompson, after being dismal in the first two games, was really good in Game 3. And you could kind of tell that it was because there were, he was that one player who was playing with a little bit of desperation. He, the team was sinking, and he wasn't going to let it happen. Um, and Draymond Green, you know, again, awful Game 3. But the man has shown up when it matters most all year long. Um, and I think we're going to see a motivated, energized, superstar performance from him. I think those three players are just going to to show us what they've spent all year believing this team is made out of. Um, and frankly, if they don't show us that, then this series is over. So tune in, 6 p.m. Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, can't imagine anything else you would rather be doing with your Friday night than watching the dubs in the NBA Finals. So enjoy it, friends.